you kidding me? I'm not getting them. So what does this mean? Does this mean I literally just bought Ratatouille for nothing? 4,000 touring artists performing at more than 200 venues across 40 countries. 98 million fans buying 500 million tickets to 40,000 concerts each year. That's Live Nation Entertainment, composed of Live Nation, a live entertainment promoter and venue operator, and Ticketmaster, a ticketing platform. The two companies merged in 2010. That merger was illegal and it should have been blocked by the government. The company controls an estimated 70% of the ticketing and live event venues market. That might sound wild, but a monopoly in itself is not illegal in the US. Ticketmaster's position with over 80% of the ticketing market is not terribly different than Google with nearly 90% of search volumes in this country. When the Live Nation and Ticketmaster merger was approved back in 2010, it was under the condition of a consent decree. Among other things, forbidding Live Nation from retaliating against a venue for using a ticketer other than Ticketmaster. After an investigation, in 2019, the Justice Department alleged Live Nation had repeatedly violated this provision of its decree. Fast forward to 2022, it's Deja vu. A reckoning for Ticketmaster. It's now facing an antitrust investigation. The company canceled its public sale for Taylor Swift's upcoming tour. As the leading player, we have an obligation to do better. I just want to dispel this notion that this is not a monopoly. There is no opportunities for us to say, okay, we see you, Live Nation. We see your offer. We would like to see what, it, what this show would look like if we worked with someone else. There is no someone else. Whatever they say just kind of is the word of God. In January 2022, a class action lawsuit was filed against Live Nation Entertainment, claiming the company has created a barrier to entry in the primary and secondary ticketing markets. The case is ongoing. And then, this. I, I didn't get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. When Taylor Swift fans excited to see the Queen of Heartbreak songs back on tour for the first time since 2018 logged on to Ticketmaster in November 2022 to grab their front row seats, chaos erupted. Ticketmaster is facing mounting scrutiny here after millions of fans waited hours only to run into glitches and error messages on the website. First, and all the Live Nation team is sympathetic that the long wait times and fans who couldn't get what they wanted. Reality is, it's a function of the massive demand that Taylor Swift has. The site was supposed to be opened up for 1.5 million verified Taylor Swift fans. Uh, we had 14 million people hit the site, including bots, another story, which are not supposed to be there. Two million tickets were sold and the general public sale was canceled. In December 2022, the House and Energy Commerce Committee wrote a letter to Live Nation CEO Michael Rapino asking him to provide a briefing on the ticketing process for Swift's tour. It also requested the company provide insight into a number of claims. Interestingly, AEG, our competitor, who is the promoter for Taylor Swift, chose to use us because we are, the, in reality, the largest and most effective ticket seller in the world. AEG Presents claimed working with Ticketmaster was its only option, saying, quote, Ticketmaster's exclusive deals with the vast majority of venues on the era's tour required us to ticket through their system. We didn't have a choice. We worry about monopolists in the antitrust world when they engage in conduct that is really designed to force out smaller rivals, to limit competition. Only a few months prior, in August 2022, tickets to see Bruce Springsteen caused a similar uproar. If I pay $5,000 to see Bruce Springsteen, he better sit on my lap and play an acoustic set of Nebraska. In 2017, Ticketmaster started asking consumers to register as verified fans in an attempt to keep out scalpers and bots. But in the case of Swift and Springsteen sales, 
this doesn't appear to have worked. Marked up tickets popped up on the secondary market within hours. The ticketer also faced criticism concerning its official platinum feature for premium seats, using something called dynamic pricing, essentially pricing tickets based on demand, and also revolving barcodes, preventing fans from reselling their ticket. In a statement, Live Nation said it takes its responsibilities under the antitrust law seriously and does not engage in behaviors that could justify litigation. As a promoter and venue operator, Live Nation handles production, organization, and marketing of live entertainment events. While the company holds the majority of market share, it does have some competition. AEG, Eventbrite, IMG, ASM Global, Madison Square Garden Entertainment Corporation, and Jam Productions, to name a few. The company owns more than 200 venues around the world. Ticketmaster is, as the name holds, a ticketing platform. On this side, there's Access owned by AEG and Songkick owned by Warner Music Group. There's also SeatGeek, Etix, TicketTailor, Brown Paper Tickets, TicketSpice, and other smaller companies. There are ticketers who sell directly from the venues and those in resale, like StubHub and Vivid Seats. Ticketmaster does both. There's really no one that's been able to, to get the type of scale that Live Nation has. The closest comparable is Anschutz Entertainment Group with their own kind of internal ticketing platform. But, you know, they, they made a statement that speaks to the market power of Ticketmaster, which is that they used Ticketmaster to ticket Taylor Swift. In 1996, Jam produced 100 concerts in arenas, but in 2011, one year after the merger, that decreased to 46 concerts. And in 2022, we only produced 14 arena concerts. Live Nation went after the arena business, and they succeeded in driving us and other indep independent promoters out of that sector. Should we, should we just do from the top? Sure. Are you kidding me? Ready? I'm getting sick of the ticket fees. These are some of the members of the band Lawrence, based in New York City. While on tour, Lawrence interacts with Live Nation Entertainment regularly. It's often their promoter, venue owner, and ticketer. If you say, okay, we want to be in this market, so we have to use Live Nation, what does it look like if you then don't want to use Ticketmaster? That's not an option. Not an option. Ticketmaster have created these exclusive contracts. Once you sign that contract, an, a band is not allowed to come in and say, we want to sell our tickets with XYZ platform. They even have a song with this lyric, flat out calling out Live Nation. In the 1990s, Pearl Jam, at the height of their fame, was so frustrated by Ticketmaster's service fees and power over the industry that they attempted to only play at venues that used other ticketing services. That meant they didn't play at some of the larger venues that they would have. In 1998, they went back to playing mostly venues that used Ticketmaster. On January 13, 2023, Barclays Center announced its return to Ticketmaster as its ticketer after making a switch to SeatGeek, a competitor, in 2021. It's a business that a lot of people have looked at. Um, they've spoken about wanting to get into it, and no one's really been able to grab enough market share to really be a meaningful player. We think using Ticketmaster's platform, our concert platform, we can become the uh, Zappos or Amazon of the concert business um, versus what we are today. That's a clip from 2010, months before the merger. Even then, Ticketmaster controlled more than 80% of the ticketing market. Whether or not Live Nation Entertainment is a monopoly, that sparked some debate. In simple terms, a monopoly is when a company holds exclusive possession or control. To be clear, a monopoly isn't illegal. A lack of choice is really a major hallmark of a monopoly. 
Diana Moss, president of the American Antitrust Institute, has been following the two companies since prior to the merger. If we made a monopolies illegal on the basis of pricing above cost and generating uh, monopoly profits for a firm, the concern would be that that would potentially stifle risk-taking and entrepreneurial activity. What is illegal is abusing a monopoly position, a business that establishes or maintains its monopoly through improper conduct and doesn't allow for others to enter the market. We saw an ideology develop that, that really was supercharged by the notion that vertical mergers are good that they're beneficial because firms can coordinate better between different levels in the supply chain. In the case of Live Nation and Ticketmaster, for example, all of the concert promotion and venue operation could beneficially coordinate with the ticketing platforms. We saw it also with mergers like Comcast, NBCU, and Google's acquisition of ITA, the travel pricing software system. As a result, these types of mergers haven't been blocked in federal court. Instead, if there's been competition concerns, the court imposed remedies to restrict the ability to squeeze out competition, like the consent decree in Live Nation and Ticketmaster's case. Live Nation Ticketmaster is really the poster child for this type of vertical merger being approved with very ineffective remedies, and now the damage from that is very obvious. In 2019, the Justice Department made its most significant enforcement action of an antitrust decree in 20 years. The DOJ alleged Live Nation Entertainment violated the 2010 decree, and the company settled with the government. Live Nation has agreed in principle to a settlement with the Department of Justice uh, over an investigation into whether Live Nation was forcing venues to use its Ticketmaster company uh, to sell tickets to Live Nation events. They had six concert venues anonymously on record talking about how Live Nation Ticketmaster harassed them or threatened them. I absolutely acknowledge, uh, Senator, that the Department of Justice alleged six issues in 2019, which led to our decision with them to extend the consent decree. We did not feel it made sense to be seen as defending the theories of retaliation or threats. It's not our business practice. It goes against our fundamental focus on alignment with the artist. It is absolutely our policy to not pressure, threaten, or retaliate against venues by using content as part of the ticketing discussion. Whether it's said or, or, or not, it's implied that if I don't use Ticketmaster, I am not going to get all the shows that I would like to have. Live Nation Entertainment declined CNBC's request for an interview. There's always the top-end ticket that gets the press, but a, tic a ticket and a concert ticket is still really affordable. Average ticket price is $35. You can't have a dinner for that. You certainly can't go to a Laker game. The average ticket price has gone up significantly in the past 26 years, according to Polestar, a data analytics company. Ticketmaster is charging these significant, often over 40%, Fees. Ticketmaster says fees are determined in collaboration with clients, like the music venues and promoters. They share a portion of the fees the company collects. The only caveat? That's often Live Nation. Sometimes, depending on state laws, these fees are not even known until you've already waited in the online queue, chosen the seats you want, maybe even been told a few times after clicking on seats that those seats are no longer available. That's when you're hit with the fee. If that service fee makes your ticket more expensive than what you were planning on spending, the alternative is starting all over again, risking there won't be any seats left. So it would be nice to see someone come in and say, whoa, 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 40% on top of a ticket is just criminal. 
Lauren says for their shows, it looks something like this. A $30 ticket plus a likely 40% or $12 service fee means Lawrence fans would be paying $42 per ticket. Lawrence doesn't know what the service fee will be in advance, and none of it goes to them. The rest depends on the deal with the promoter and the cost the artist has. Lawrence is very do-it-yourself or DIY, so their costs are lower than for others. But from that $42 you spent on a ticket to see them play, they usually get $10 to $15. After covering their costs, about $5 to $8 get divided among the eight band members. For your band to make six bucks out of a $42 ticket price, yeah, that doesn't feel doesn't great. Doesn't strike me as artist first. I would agree with that. Some of these numbers just seem silly. Like there's literally a charge of $267 for towels. I don't know because I haven't bought towels in a while, but like you could buy like many towels to keep. This is the, they're not giving us towels. At the end of every concert, Lawrence and other artists get a settlement sheet from the promoter, or in this case, Live Nation. They say often this is what it looks like, with a facility fee already deducted from the ticket price right at the top. The first thing we ask is, what is that covering? And they say, oh, it's just various venue expenses. It's really expensive to run a venue. Oh, okay, cool. But then you look at the expense breakdown, and we're actually being charged as an expense for all the costs that it takes to run a venue. Rent, staffing, bar, hospitality, production team, all of the things that you can say yeah. it takes to run a venue you're charging us for, and then charging a facility fee on top of that. To bypass those fees, Lawrence has created their own ticketing site. They say many artists don't even know that venue ticketing contracts often allow artists to sell up to 10% of tickets themselves. I think it's totally reasonable to up that number closer to 30, 40, 50. Obviously 100%. If you're buying a ticket to a show, Ticketmaster's owning that data. I, as an artist, don't ever know the names of people, the emails of people that are coming to my shows. It's unclear what will happen next for Live Nation Entertainment. While some are calling for the company's breakup, monopolization cases are hard to bring to court and even harder to win. It's a two-part requirement. One is to show that a firm has monopoly power in a market. And then the second is to show that the firm engaged in conduct that was designed to maintain that monopoly, to strengthen it, to leverage it to another market. And over time, the courts have set up enormously high barriers to plaintiffs, and in, in this case, a government plaintiff, to make those two showings. The last time we saw a breakup remedy in this country was back in 1984 with AT&T. It's like climbing Mount Everest, the antitrust equivalent of Mount Everest. This is going to take a very committed Department of Justice. The hope would be they would carry out an investigation and do that expeditiously and that they would file a complaint in federal court and we could, we could advance uh, this issue finally and get some relief. There is a real opportunity here for competition advocacy groups to really communicate the importance of competition to lawmakers, to consumers, and to smaller businesses. And I think we'll see if this is a galvanizing event. In July 2021, President Biden signed an executive order aimed at cracking down on anti-competitive practices by big tech, labor, and other sectors. Rather than competing for consumers, they are consuming their competitors. More than a year later, he pledged to tackle surprise fees. Each year, these junk fees, in addition, that companies charge cost America's tens of billions of dollars. Let's just say that the DOJ makes it to the top of Mount Everest and Ticketmaster and Live Nation are broken up. Then what? Will other companies enter the market? 
And if things do turn in that direction, it certainly won't be a quick fix. We saw this back in Microsoft. The, the, the trial went on for a long time. And when they got to the question of remedy, right, that was yet another uh, long conversation. Microsoft and the government eventually settled out of court for a lesser remedy. Moss believes the country's antitrust laws should be modernized, something the Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice Antitrust Division are working on, kicking off a process to rewrite merger guidelines in January 2022. Senator Klobuchar also hoping to bring change. Her bipartisan legislation was passed by the House of Representatives in September 2022. Her bill would provide the necessary clarification and modifications to make it easier for the government to bring monopolization cases and to prevail in those cases when they are litigated in federal court. She says it would bring stronger enforcement of U.S. merger law as well. Meanwhile, Lawrence is talking about a bill of their own, a bill of rights for artists, a handful of proposed changes that they believe would make the industry more fair. Things like permitting artists to sell more tickets directly to fans, transparency around ticket fees, allowing artists to perform at venues owned by Live Nation without having to use a particular promoter or ticketer, and crackdowns on Live Nation venue purchases in regions with little competition so that artists have a choice while on tour. It doesn't mean the end of Live Nation, it just means a fair system. There is a lot of value that they provide, not only to us, but to the majority of artists. Genuinely, like we're really thankful for what they do. All we're trying to do is kind of carve away at some of the injustices that are happening you know, in the system right now.